Everybody needs an elder, at least one in their lives. It's good to have a whole array of elders. And we never get too old. Everybody say too old. Anybody feel too old tonight? We never get too old to have an elder to speak, to guide, to help, and to comfort, speak into our lives. I'm thankful for my father who's here tonight as one of the vital elders in my life. And there are others even in this room tonight. But I do not know even one moment in my entire life without the elder that I'm introducing tonight. Brother Ballestero is coming to bring us the word of the Lord. And Brother Ballestero, I sincerely cannot remember a moment in my life that you have not been there. You've known me and I've known you that long. And I am a blessed man today. He calls me his other son, calls my wife his daughter. And I'm telling you, it is a privilege to know Brother Martin Ballestero. His legacy extends back to his father, and it extends into his children and grandchildren. And it's a beautiful thing just to simply see that the gospel does not stop if we let it and if we hunger for it, we desire it. It will move from generation to generation. Brother Elder, I commend you for the choice of Brother Martin Ballestero as a guest speaker. Now, Brother Ballestero is going to tell you this stuff, but why don't I just get ahead of him on this, all right? Real quick, Brother Ballestero has preached for over 56 years. Boy, what a great elder. A good choice of an elder. He's been an elder in my life. He has preached, including this conference, he's preached 410 conferences. He's preached 1,056 revivals. Count that. 1,056 revivals, 80 camp meetings, and more banquets than he can remember. Five cruise ships. I'm not going to continue to try to say what all he's done because I'll never finish. But Brother Ballestero in my life has been a wonderful, a wonderful influence and a strength and a comfort. And he's blessed my family and he's blessed my church. And he's blessed the Mile High Conference for many years. And tonight you're not going to see any exception. You're going to be blessed. Are you ready for the word, everybody? How about we just let the Lord have free course? Open your heart, open your mind. God bless you, Brother Ballester. What an honor to introduce you. Come and preach the word. Let God be God. I love you, sir. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise, why don't we? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Anybody here glad for the Holy Ghost? Anybody here glad you've been baptized in Jesus' name? My, 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 my. It's my great honor to be here. And uh, I'm in over my head in this meeting. I just tell you, uh, Holy Ghost is in the house. There's just no telling what God's going to do in this meeting. I'm just happy to be here and be part of it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Brother Heyman, for the sweet and kind words. You couldn't have said him about a nicer guy, and I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Ever since I have been in Colorado today, I have been <sighs> pampered. Brother Hicks and Brother Aaron came and picked me up at the airport, and all my uh, needs were taken care of. They lovely accommodations at the hotel. My gift basket in the room is big enough to start a mini market. <laughs> if I just had a couple gasoline pumps, I think I could go in business while I'm here. But thank you so much. And it's just wonderful to come out to a place where holiness is still in style. <laughs> Worship is the order of the day. And people are still in love with this old apostolic message. Thank you, Jesus. 
Good to be here with Holy Ghost Radio, my friend Brother Hoffer. I wish y'all would do what I do, and that is take Holy Ghost Radio on as a sponsor every month. Keep the Word of God going out on a regular basis. Amen? I encourage you to do that. Join me in that. I happen to have some very dear and precious family friends, as I already mentioned, the Hamans, my adopted daughter, which actually would make you my son-in-law. That's how that works. And uh, I have pictures of Pastor Heyman and my boys just elementary school age playing together here in Colorado. I first came out in 72, and uh, I've enjoyed coming out ever since. Uh, I look over here at my highly esteemed minister friends. I honor you in the Holy Ghost. I don't like to mention a lot of names, but my favorite preacher in the whole world, Brother Kenneth Bowes, in the house. And just in case you don't happen to have any of his books that he has out now, you make sure you stop by the table and pick up some product. You can get them at Amazon.com. I've bought some. You need to get some too. That's all the announcements. I'm going to help me preach a while here tonight. I'm old school enough that I like to read out of the Bible. And I'm high tech enough that I like to use a little help with my notes. I'm reading 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 10. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. In conjunction with that, I'm turning to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 9. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 9. Who hath saved us. Anybody glad you saved? And called us with an ordinary calling. The book said it was a holy calling. Interesting how folks want the Holy Ghost, but they don't want to be holy. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Since I'm on a roll, I'll go ahead and read my third verse and let you be hunkered down for a bit. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. We'd like to speak to you tonight on this subject. Don't ignore the call. Would you pray and ask God's blessing upon the ministering of the word tonight. Father, I ask for your help. I can't do this without you. I ask that you anoint my mind, my lips, my heart, my mouth. Help me to be a blessing to this thy people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. There's nothing greater in the world than to have the call of God on your life. I don't want to start off all warm and fuzzy here, but I have memories of being a four-year-old, Portland, Oregon area, seeking for the Holy Ghost. We lived in a tar paper shack that cost $30 to build. No running water, no electricity. My daddy was gone as an evangelist. My mother was just very, very young. And I remember coming into the house one day saying, Mama, I was crying. I said, Mama, I feel like God's talking to me about working for him, serving him. I didn't use the word preach. 
But I said, I just feel that when I get the Holy Ghost, God wants to use me. I was sobbing. My mother was crying. It's not the kind of thing that I've mentioned more than two, three times in my life publicly. I can't say that I've heard a voice speak to me out of the clouds and thunder, the mountain shake, but I felt something in here. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight, about not ignoring the call. I've never, let me just say some disclaimers here. I've never made it a policy to call people to preach. Tonight I'm going to make a call for everybody in this building, however, to be involved in the work of the kingdom. I will tell you that your pastor is the overseer of all spiritual gifts that's demonstrated in the local assembly. And your gifts are subject to his supervision and to his approval. I had a man that gave my father fits, gave me fits. He stopped me on the way to the platform one night on a Sunday night. I wasn't in a good frame of mind. He said, how do you know when you're called to preach? I said, you'll know when I tell you. Somehow that didn't go over good. But he's your shepherd. And yet we're all called to do something. And no one is called to sit or to bury their talent. I would encourage you. I want the young people to hear me tonight. Don't ignore the call. Don't fight the call. My generation heard old timers say that they would rather... Burn out than rust out. People ask me, Brother Ballestero, you're knocking 73 in the head when you're going to retire. I have no plans for retirement. All I know is keep going till you drop. Because this is not about me. It's all about him. When God's done with me, can't nobody keep me here. And if he's not done with me, you can't take me out. His kingdom and his work comes first, brothers and sisters. uh, We've made beds of ease for ourselves. We have every time-saving device known to man. And I'm reminded of a king who was a giant king. His bed was 14 feet long. His name was King Og. He was the last giant that Moses ever had to fight. They put his bed up in a museum. Not a sword. His bed. He wasn't known for how many people he could kill. 14 feet high. Tall as that right there. He's only known for his leisure, for his rest. And God help us if that's all this generation is known for, for taking our ease when it's time to be on the battlefield. It's time we... Do exploits. It's time we trade microphones. (laughs) It's on? It's on. I don't want to be known as just someone who sits around in a lazy boy where there's work to do in the kingdom of God. My wife worries that I travel so much and go so much. I said, baby, I could die sitting in the lazy boy right here. Let me go out happy. Let me just go out doing everything I can do for the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to lay all my cards on the table. I want to talk to you about the call. Sinner, God's calling you tonight. Backslider, God's going to speak to your heart tonight. Lukewarm saint, God's calling you. Holy Ghost filled saint, God's got a work for you to do. Holy Ghost filled young person, there's a job for you to do. I'm not trying to make preachers or missionaries out of anybody. I'm just saying whatever our hands can find to do, let's do it for the kingdom of God. Am I making sense to anybody here? God's calling us to serve. God's calling some to be a help. God's calling some to preach. God's calling all to worship. God's calling all to pray. God's calling all to intercede. God's calling all to be holy. God's calling all to be faithful. God's calling all to labor in the harvest. 
We are all here because of the call. Don't ignore the call. You say, well, I, I ain't never heard no call. Really? I say, yes, you did. Maybe you never heard the call. Maybe you never responded even though you heard the call. But I will show you that God has never stopped calling you. God has never stopped reaching for you. Abraham heard the call and he got up from where he was. Not knowing anybody that knew him. Walked away from his home, his people and his finances if you will. When God calls you, you're willing to walk away from everything. You're willing to cut the ties when God calls you. Noah heard the call. And for a hundred years or so, he preached without one. He built the ark and he worked without one attaboy. He preached to a generation that did not even respond to his call. And we get upset if the preacher don't shake our hand once in a while. And Moses, Noah never got his back patted by God. God gave him a job to do. One call. I heard somebody say, uh, one of these prophets, I was at a meeting, said, the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This preacher said, first time God speaks to you, you don't have to respond. Because it's the second time and the third time, that's when you have to respond. I'm sitting there with all of my family. We'd been at a wedding and I got me a piece of paper and I wrote on this little piece of paper, God only spoke to Noah one time. That law in the Old Testament was for someone being a witness against someone who was found guilty of a, of a criminal matter, capital crime. In the New Testament, it's bringing an accusation against a man of God. Two or three witnesses. I'll just throw this out here a little too. If we're going to honor our preachers that way, why don't we honor one another that way and not receive an accusation against our own brothers and sisters unless you've got two or three witnesses about it. Saul later called Paul. He heard the call, changed and transformed his life. And as a result, it changed and transformed our lives. Jonah heard the call and he ran. Like some folks in this building running from the call. When you run from God, you're going to find out things don't work out very good when you run from him. It's going to be some tough times when you start running from God. I want to mess your head up right here. Samuel heard the call. And you know what he said? Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Let me talk to you. Let me ask you a question. What one thing comes to mind that you can remember that Samuel ever did as a boy? What was his job description in the Bible? One thing it says he did. I'm reading from 1 Samuel Chapter 3, verse number 15. And Samuel lay until the morning, and he opened the doors of the house of Jehovah. And Samuel was afraid to declare the vision to Eli. What I'm saying is, he was just a boy. But the first thing he ever did for God was open up the doors to the house of God. This is so simple, even a child can do it. I'm talking about working in the house of God. You can be a door opener. These wonderful young people, godly young people, were a door opener to the house of God tonight for us. The greeters standing there were door openers when you came into the house of God. Those that invited you to come to this meeting were door openers. He later became a prophet, but he first was a door opener. Some folks want to be all the, the limelight. Remember, my, I was about 16, and my dad said, Son, would you like to get your DD? I said, DD. He said, Yes, sir, Doctor of Divinity. I said, Oh, yeah, that sounds cool. He said, You know how to get your DD? I said, How? He said, First, you're the janitor, and then you're the pastor. <laughs> Some folks want to preach, but they don't want to pick up paper around the church. They don't want to fix broken windows, and they don't want to. Oh, come on, somebody. Isaiah heard the call and he said, here am I, send me. I'm just trying to tell you when Jesus said, follow me, he gave the call. He also said, let him that hath an ear to hear, 
let him hear. And he said that 42 times. How many times does God have to give you a call? How many times does he have to say, hey, I've got a job for you to do. Why do you just keep coming to church and never do any more than just sit? Why do you just keep coming to church and never get involved? Why do you let the same six and seven be the worshipers? How come you never walk a door? How come somebody got to call you up to be? When Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When he said that, he gave a call. When Jesus said in John seven thirty seven and 8, In the last days, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. When he said that, he gave a call. The rich young ruler heard the call, but he felt he couldn't afford it. Felix heard the call and he said, when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. But he never found time. You have to make time for the call of God. You have to take time for the call of God. You have to put priorities right and put your stuff last and him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things should be added. I may not be preaching a shout message tonight, but we got a job to do, brothers and sisters. We got a call on our hearts and lives. We can't just have business as usual. We can't just come to church and twiddle our thumbs and be entertained by the choir and the preacher. We got to do something for God. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. We're on the front porch of the coming of the Lord and may it find us busy. Agrippa heard the call. And he said, well, you almost convinced me. But he died unconvinced. Have you ever felt that something was missing in your life? Are you prayed, oh God, don't come tonight. I'm not saved. I'm not ready. Have you ever felt unfulfilled as a child of God? Have you ever felt empty in your soul? Have you ever had someone talk to you about your soul? Have you ever been invited to church by anyone? Have you ever heard that someone was praying for you? Have you ever prayed to God asking for forgiveness? Have you ever sat in a church service such as this and knew that you needed to pray? I say, you've heard the call. Don't ignore the call. I want to talk to every Holy Ghost filled person in the building. Have you ever stood in Walmart and wondered how many others there have obeyed Acts 2.38? Have you ever asked yourself, God, am I the only one here? You've heard the call. Have you ever driven through the town and wondered why there was no church there? I say, you've heard the call. Have you ever been to the airport and wonder, am I the only one baptized in Jesus' name in this whole airport? I'm saying you've heard the call. Have you ever prayed, Lord, send labors into the harvest? I'm saying you've heard the call. Have you ever driven down the highways and out of nowhere tears start rolling down your cheeks and you felt God was talking to your heart? I'm saying you've heard the call. Can you look at the size of a town and look at the size of the apostolic church in that town and realize there's more work to do? I say you've heard the call. Did you ever look at your classmates or fellow laborers and know that you're the only one there with the knowledge of the truth? I say you've heard the call. Don't ignore the call. Somebody put your hands together. Judas heard the call, but he got sidetracked. He ignored the call. Ruth heard the call, and she said goodbye to her people. 
and her gods, and God so loved her response that he placed her in the bloodline of the Messiah. God's got a place for you if you respond to the call. God rewards those who respond to his call. You say, well, I, 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 maybe I might have been called, but I wasn't chosen. I say maybe you didn't make yourself available. Because why would God call you out of sin and say, well, I called you. <laughs> Go sit on that pile a while. God didn't call you to put you on a pile of do nothing. He didn't call fillers just to fill up a congregation. We're here to be the salt of the earth. We're here to be life changers. We're here to be the light of the world. We got a call on our lives. We're here to affect our community. We're a soul saving station. This is a hospital. Don't ignore the call. Every last one of you has been called. You, sir. You, ma'am, are a chosen generation. First Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation. You say, well, I'm not chosen. Oh, yes, you are. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Oh, Jesus. If you're the little prince or you're the little princess, let me do the prince. I'm not comfortable with the princess thing. I have lots of problems. This is not one of them. And I mean that in a good Christian way. When you're six years old and your daddy's the king, and he's out of the chamber, and you have access to his robe and his crown, you're going to put that on your head. See what you look like in the mirror, because someday you might be king. And your personal attendance will not allow you to go play with Johnny just down the street, because you're different. Someday you're going to be king. They're not trying to keep you from having a good time. They're trying to protect who you are and preserve you as a future king. We're a royal priesthood. Don't you get offended when mom and dad or the pastor says, be careful about that. They're trying to protect you. They're trying, that fence is up there to keep the bad things away from you. If you're not the called generation, then why are you here? If you're not a chosen generation, then what are you doing in this building? I say we are the called. I say we are the chosen. I was 18 years old. Bakersfield, California. Youth Conference. 1962. The preacher was Brother Verbal Bean. We'd already had him for a 12-week revival in our church in South Bend. He preached a message that would rip your guts out. And then they had the McDonald sisters. Uh, Souls, you don't know, Brother Von Morton's wife, Brother Nate Wilson's wife, and, and that McDonald family. They stood behind a screen and they sang this song. The world needs Jesus, but why should I tell you? You're busy with no time to care to spare. They're dying without him who's known by just a few. How long then this thought can you bear? Jesus, who died for you and me on the cross, he died for your neighbor too. How can you live without a burden for the lost? May God have mercy on you. I won't go into the next verses, but I'll tell you, I didn't wait for verse number two to happen. I was in the altar. I was sobbing and crying along with hundreds of other young people, realizing we got a job to do. How can I live without a burden for the lost? May God have mercy on my soul. What I'm saying, don't ignore the call, brothers and sisters. Do you remember the story in the Bible about the man who buried his talent? Maybe I should say it this way. Do you remember the story in the Bible about the man who buried his calling? Have you buried yours? What's your excuse? Have you buried it in preoccupation with the world, with life? What have you done with your calling? If the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, that means God doesn't take them back. 
then don't you think he's going to hold you accountable for the gift and the calling that he gave you? If God said, I want you to do this, then you've got, you're unfulfilled if it hasn't been done. I would say, if you haven't been busy up tonight, tonight's the night you get busy. Today's the day we get back on fire. Now's when we stir up the gift that's within us. Clap your hands to the Lord. Don't throw your calling away on temporal things. If tomorrow could talk to you, it would say, why did you waste your time on him? He wasn't worth marrying. Why did you even bother to date her? Her mind wasn't on living for God. Why did you hang out with that group of young people? All they wanted was the flesh and carnal things. If tomorrow could talk to some of y'all. I won't sidetrack here. Don't throw away your calling on temporal things and wine, women, and song. Sports and video games and politics and seeking pleasures and make, seeking man's approval. When you got a call of God on you, it, it affects you. It changes how you dress. It changes how you think. It changes who you associate with. It changes how you worship. It changes how you pray. It changes how you live for God. Nineteen fifty-four, we had a dog, a boxer dog, and uh, her dog dish broke in the snow. Ice got cracked. Little Ginger, I think her name was. I come in the house, I dug around, found a pan. I said, "Mama, the dog's dish is broken. Can I feed the dog out of this pan?" She said, "Honey, that's Mama's good pan." Mama fixes gumbo, mashed potatoes, stews. We don't eat out of the same pan the dog eats out of. Underneath the sink, there's an old blackened pan with a broken handle. You use that to feed the dog. I said, yes, ma'am. And said, when you're done, we'll scour it up and put it back under there. So I fed the dog that night out of that pan. A few weeks later, I was out... Things get warmed up, brother. In the springtime, I was digging holes in the backyard with Bobby Hungate from across the street. We was playing trucks. I needed to move a mountain of dirt, you know, from the hills from my trucks. And so I came in the house and got that nice new pan out. And I said, Mama, is it okay if I put dirt in this pan? She said, Honey, that's my good pan. We don't put dirt in it. We don't feed the dog in it. We don't put dirt in it. That's my good pan. You go back under the sink and get that old, old pan and you put dirt in that. And then we'll clean it up when you're done. Say, yes, ma'am. Jump ahead to 1960. I'm 16 years old now. Some people never learn. I'm changing the oil in my car. And I come in the house. I tell you what, it's been fun being retarded all my life. I come into the house and I bring that nice shiny pan. I said, Mambo, I can't find anything big enough to change oil in my car. Can I use this pan? She's she put her hands on her hips. You don't want to see mama put her hand on her hip. That, that, ain't, that ain't a good sign. She said, how many times do I have to tell you? That's my good pan. We don't put dirt in it. We don't feed the dog in it. And we don't change oil in it. Now you go back under that sink and you get that same old pan out. You use it and when you're done, throw it away. What I'm saying is my mother taught me about being sanctified. Because being sanctified is being set apart for one purpose and one use. You can put drugs in your vessel. You can put alcohol in your vessel. But you've just defiled your vessel. You want to keep it clean. If you're set aside for the purpose and the service of God, you know, I don't know how to possess your vessel with sanctification and an honor. And when there's no sanctification, there's no honor for you. Oh, help me somebody. Thanks, Mom. Don't get so busy. I don't know who I'm saying this to, but don't get so busy being a businessman that you neglect your calling. God didn't put you here to be a businessman. God put you here to be a saint. Let me just say this to you. Don't minimize your calling. Well, you, you know, I, I, I'm not much. 
and I'll never be like them. Let me read you two, about two different kinds of people, potters and cockers. You heard me. Why don't you show me First Chronicles 4, 23. These were the potters and those that dwelt among plants and hedges. There they dwelt with the king for his work. Solomon's building a temple. And these guys that knew how to make pottery, they didn't get to go home at night. They didn't get to sleep in their own beds. They didn't get to eat their wives cooking. They had to sleep in the bushes. They had to make plates they never got to eat out of. They never got to drink out of the vessels that they made. Their job, they don't even get named. Their job was make sure that the house of God was properly furnished. We're in a generation that wants recognition for every little thing we do. And if you're not careful, you're going to let your sacrifice become your downfall. Because somebody didn't brag on you when you did a little something. We don't do it for people to brag on us. We do it for him, brothers and sisters. Then I would read to you about the cockers in Ezekiel 27 and 9. The ancients of Jabal and the wise men thereof, in thee thy cockers, all the ships of the sea with their mariners were in thee to occupy thy merchandise. Twice in Ezekiel, in this chapter I believe it was, it uses the word cockers. You know what a cocker was? He was a guy that couldn't read the sextant on the ship. He didn't get to say, land ho! He didn't even load the ship. He never was first mate. He was, he was the dirtiest guy in the whole ship. He stayed below deck. He had to take rope or hemp and dip it down in buckets of pitch or tar. And when there was a leak in the ship, he had to poke it in there and then take a hammer and a piece of wood and drive it in there. You know what his job was? Keep the boat afloat. He never got pats on the back. He never got, the king never waved and shook his hand when they arrived at a port. But he was the guy who never got the honor, but he kept the boat floating. Thank God for every saint in the house of God that's helping to keep this boat floating. Thank you for what you do for the kingdom of God. We've all got a job in the house. We've all got things to do. Don't you minimize your calling. Don't ignore the call. Did you hear the call and disqualify yourself? Thinking you're not worthy? Well, I'm nobody. Nehemiah wasn't a preacher. His job was to pour into the king's cup. But he heard the call. And in 42 days, he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. God can take you no matter what your job is and use you. And he can equip you if you'll just respond to the call. I'll just throw this in here. Your pastor is always going to recognize the kind, the hand of God on your life. You might be called the mission field. You might be called to be a missionary. You might be called to be a help in the church. And no matter where God plugs you in, enjoy. Thank him for just choosing to use you in whatever capacity. We had a lady in our church. God bless the memory of Sister Simon. She was over all the hospitality in the church. Oh, she just had a hand. You could tell when she decorated the room. It was just gorgeous. But she wound up losing a leg due, due to diabetes. And Sister Simon was crying. She was a, a senior, nearly 70 years old. And she said to her husband, I can't get around anymore. I'm in a wheelchair. What can I do? And as he was pushing her into the sanctuary, she said, Stop. I know what I can do. She sent him down the next day to buy the finest handkerchiefs, a couple dozen that she, he could buy. And she fixed them up just right and ironed them and she folded them. And she had her husband put him in the pulpit. She said, if I can't do what he used to do, at least I can help my man of God preach. I'm saying you, she found something that she could do in the kingdom of God. I will tell you, regardless, you are called. Romans 1, 17 said, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called. I'm called to be a saint. I'm called to be a saint first. You and I have, everybody in this building, you and I have the same 
have a same ministry in common. It is found in 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. My ministry, my main purpose is to find somebody that's not in the favor of Jesus Christ and help them be restored unto him. That's my job description. That's your job description. Don't sit down on the job. Don't ignore your call. There's people out there that's not where they need to be with God. Don't ignore the call. My father was uh, born and raised Catholic. His mama died when he was four years old. The county took him away, the state took him away and put him in foster homes, 14 of them. He ran away from 11. 12 years of age, he's sleeping under bridges in L.A. Wound up joining a gang. He became gang leader. I was told this year that his photo still hangs on the wall in the gang house. When my daddy was uh, running from the law, hitchhiking, trying to get to Reno, an old black Essex, an old antique car, pulled up and stopped. And a preacher with a black suit on opened the door and let him in. And two old Pentecostal ladies in the back the little Pentecostal buns, high neck, long sleeves. They got in the car. They took off. The preacher said, son, have you given your heart to God? The ladies in the back seat started praying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the man started talking to my dad about his soul, the first person to ever talk to him about living for God. And the ladies in the back seat were going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. All my dad knew was Hail Mary full of grace. And all he knew was that, uh, <laughs> all the Hail Marys and the act of faith, the act of contrition, the Apostles' Creed. All the, he knew all that. He had catechism. But this Jesus, Jesus, Jesus stuff wasn't how he was used to praying. He knew the Our Fathers and everything, but th- this wasn't right. And so finally he, the man said a bit more. My dad said, just stop right here. Just let me out. This is fine. Conviction got a hold of my dad. And the man said, well, son, would you like to? He said, you're running from God. He said, would you like to pray before you get out? He said, oh, no, sir. He said, well, then would you allow me to pray for you? My father had been taught to be respectful of the priest. So he said, sure. The man said, preacher said, God, this young man's running from you. I don't know what the problem is, but whatever it does, God, whatever it takes, you stop this young man. You save his soul, God. And the women in the back sing, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. What's going on? My daddy heard the call for the first time. He gets out of the car and he slams the door. He sees a freight train pulling out of the yard and he runs trying to catch a freight train. All the boxcar doors are closed and all he sees is an oil tanker. And he grabs hold of the oil tanker car and he pulls himself up and he curls around the catwalk. And he gets all snuggled in. And he hears the wheel going clickety-clack, clack-clack. Clickety-clack, clack-clack. Clickety-clack, 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 clack-clack. And he began to preach him a sermon in his mind. And it said, you got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. You got to get right. You got to get right. You got to get right with God. All night long, you got to get right with God. What was happening? My dad was hearing the call. He... He began to pray, God, I don't know how to get right with you, but I promise you when I get off this train, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get right with you. He staggered into a little old Assemblies of God church. A man by the name of Charles Price gave an invitation. And my father went down to the altar and prayed, repented. And a 300-pound lady sat on his chest and wouldn't let him up till he got the Holy Ghost. If that's what it takes to help you get the Holy Ghost, we'll hire folks to come in and hold you down to get the Holy Ghost. What I'm saying is don't ignore the call when you hear the call. My dad, after he got the Holy Ghost, he went back to L.A. and he got the old gang. And he told them what happened to him. And they said, we don't want it, Carl. Let me just throw you a little side note. Six, eight years ago, I was preaching in, in Pomona, California, a little storefront church, Sunday afternoon. 
And two old men came up to me after service. They said, are you Carl's boy? I said, yes. They said, we were in the gang with Carl. And we want you to know we got the Holy Ghost. We got baptized in Jesus' name. When they decided they didn't want it, my father went down to the police department and turned himself in. And within a few days, my father was in San Quentin Prison. And of all the cells in San Quentin Prison, you know which one they put him in? The one with the biggest, baddest, meanest looking black guy in the whole prison. Who just happened to be backslidden from the Assemblies of God Church. And his wife, the next day, sends a letter to her husband. She had gone to a little Jesus name church and was having a revival and had gotten baptized in Jesus' name. And she sent him a track about Jesus' name baptism. And he looked at it and said, Yeah, I don't want that. Hey, Carl, you want this? And my daddy took that track. And he sat down on his little bunk with a prison Bible and went through every scripture and God opened up his eyes and gave him a revelation of Jesus' name, baptism and the oneness of the Godhead. I'm saying he heard the call. I don't know what it takes for you to hear a call or what God has to do to get your attention. But thank God for the day he called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. My father preached his first sermon in the art of San Quentin. Though thy sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Somebody here is hearing a call tonight. (laughs) Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear, hear my voice. And open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Why didn't you hear his call? He didn't call from a long ways off. He got right up on the front porch. He knocked and called your name. How much harder does God have to give you the call? He that hath an ear to hear, 42 times, remember? Of all the houses he chose to knock on, he knocked on yours. Of all the hearts he's chosen in this whole county to knock on, he's chosen to knock on your door. Not because you're perfect, not because you're the smartest, not because you're the richest, not because you're the best, but because he loves you, because you need him and he needs you. How long will he have to knock? How long will he have to call? He said, my spirit will not always strive with man. You don't want God to get tired of calling you. How does he call? With sermons like this. With his word. Would you read his word? With a song. With an invitation. With a trial. With pain. With grief. With trouble. With conviction. We can't just let him stand at the door. I don't know how y'all have homes. My wife and I are blessed with five children. Our youngest was about 18 months. And my wife... Had him in the tub, give him a little bath, and she was being very careful to stay in the, in the bathtub, uh, bathtub area with him because she didn't want him, you know, to have a problem with the, the water or anything. My other four children were mingling around the house. I am in the basement, and I've got putting together a little small engine, and I've got a needle nose pliers and a spring and a special lock, and I can't let go of what I'm doing, and I hear a knock on the door, and I know who's supposed to be here about that time. I thought, well, my kids would get the door. They can hear that. I'm in the basement, and I can hear it. And I heard the second knock. I didn't want the person to leave. So we have a special communication system in our house. Somebody get the door! (laughs) It worked. And my job tonight is to say, somebody get the door. He's standing at the door knocking. It's time you got up out of your lethargy and realize you're more than just a pretty boy, a pretty girl in the kingdom of God. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Somebody get the door. I, I married what I consider the most beautiful woman in the world. But no one told me when I married her that she had a twisted mind. The girl cannot go to sleep without a $11.88 Kmart box fan. Look at me, I'm bald. If the air in the room is moving, I know about it. 
I found, I found stuff like just a little app, make some noise. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go now. I had a friend, I won't call her names because I don't want to bring brother, the name of the dude Cavanis into the story. But he was about 16 years old and driving a car and a blue rod. So he turned up the radio to drown the noise out. I don't care how loud you get your radio, folks two blocks away can hear the rod knocking. Everybody else knows that there's a problem. How come you can't see it? Everybody else can see you got the call of God on you. He's knocking at your door. How come you won't recognize it? I'll tell you why your noise is up too high. It's time you turn your noise factor down. It may be your pride. It could be your cares or your pleasure. Maybe it's your bitterness. It could be your attitude. I don't know what the problem is. Turn your noise down and listen to the call of God. Go ahead and stand with me. Backsliders, your noise is too high. Turn it down. Listen to him knock. Sinner, you've probably got the best chance of getting to the door of anybody in the building because you haven't learned how to drown out the noise of him knocking on your door. Cold-hearted Christian, you're in the most dangerous condition of all. And that's why I'm charging you to stir up the gift that's within you. Tell you one more daddy story and I'm done. In the early 50s, my daddy was driving down the road in Texas. And the Holy Ghost said to him, Stop the car and get out and preach. Daddy looked around, there's no houses that he can see. There's no people, there's no cars, no, there's no cows or horses, there's nothing. Nothing. Surely this can't be God. God wouldn't tell you to get out and preach to nobody. So he kept on driving and it got stronger. So he just hit the brakes. He come to stop on some little old culvert, little two-lane road. Way out yonder, about half a mile or so away, it looked like he could see the, the roof of a house over the hill. He got out, phoned around, got his Bible, laid it on the hood, found a text, read it, announced a sermon title, and preached for about five, ten minutes, gave an altar call. And this time, no car passed, no human was seen. The burden lifted. Daddy closed his Bible, got in the car, drove off 30 miles or so down the road, preached revival all that week. Monday came, and it was fellowship meeting night. They had my dad preach fellowship meeting, and when he got done, a man walked up to him and said, Brother Ballestero, we've never met. But I recognize the sound of your voice. On such and such a day, you stopped your car on such and such a highway on a culvert. And you got out and preached. You didn't know it, but I was a backslider sleeping off a drunk inside that culvert. But when you preached, the call of God reached me. And I got out and I went to my pastor's home and he prayed me back through to the Holy Ghost. I just want to say thank you. What I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, is God knows how to call you, whether it's in this place or whether it's out yonder, don't ignore the call of God. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. If you've got a gift in you that you want these preachers, brothers and sisters, or saints of God to pray with you about tonight and get that gift stirred up in you, come stand with me around this altar. Lift your hands, your heart, your hopes, your voices to the Lord. Let's find ourselves busy in the kingdom of God like never before. Don't ignore the call. Let's start this conference out giving it our all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, don't wait. Don't wait. <laughs> come on, come on. Don't turn it off again. Right now, while God's moving on your heart, come on. 
it respond to the call of God right now come on the Holy Ghost is already moving they're getting the Holy Ghost over here come on come on respond to the call of God
God is still moving. He's still moving. Let's give him let's give him some time to do what he's doing in the hearts of his children. <laughs> 